Bonjour. Konnichiwa. I am Frederic Rigolo, News Director of Belmont Media Center. And I'm Komako Akai Whitelaw, Citizen Journalist for BMC. Welcome to our new podcast series, Power of Music. What makes us musicians? What draws us into music? Those are the core questions we hope this podcast series answers. In this first season, we interview Powers Music School faculty members. We'd like to give special thanks to Kelly Weber and Gavin Farrell for their support. The production of our podcast incidentally coincided with the COVID-19 pandemic, which reminds us how music heals us, how music brings us joy, and how music brings us together. In this episode, Hello, my name is Mary. I'm an oboist. Powers Music School oboe teacher Mary Chikonedi explained to us how music is at the core of her being. Chickenetti and I play the oboe. I teach at Powers Music School and am the chair of the winds, brass, and percussion faculty. One of the issues right now as wind players is you're not welcome indoors and, and because it's difficult to collaborate with other musicians, one thing that I've been really exploring and revisiting and encouraging my students to explore our works for solo oboe. Recently I've been digging through my stacks of music for unaccompanied works and one is a piece by Henri Tomasi who was a French composer. It's called Evocations. This is a four-movement work for solo oboe and describes different women around the world. The first movement is depicting a Peruvian woman, second movement a Nigerian woman, the third Chinese, and the final is a Scottish woman. I have been working on the Peruvian. I used to play in an Andean flute ensemble, so I played panpipes and tarkas and pinkyus. I absolutely love Latin music. If you were to ask me, what do you listen to when you're cooking? It's pretty much always Latin music. So this first movement of the Tomasi evocations uses some elements of the Haranza, which is a mourning piece where a woman sings. and plays a drum. So you hear is this, this drum pattern. And this is interspersed throughout the piece with a morning song of a woman singing. And then later on, 
There is Oaxaca, but this is a, a labor festival in Peru where people are playing panpipes and drums to sort of go back to my love of this kind of music. So in the middle of all of this, you hear this sort of panpipe uh, festival-inspired, uh, lots of high notes wailing. my way of expressing myself. It goes so far back into the core of my being. People identify a certain way. Uh, I am a woman. I would say I'm an oboist over anything else. <laughs> like, hello, my name's Mary. I'm an oboist. I actually could read music before I could read letters and words. When I was five, I was very obsessed with the musical Annie. I loved singing and my sisters would play piano and they would miss notes. And I remember walking over to the piano and going, no, 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 you're missing it. It's that one, it's that one, stop. That's how far back music goes for me. I could read music before I could read words. I remember my very first oboe lesson, it probably would have been in the spring of my sixth grade year. My mom drove me to the middle school in my hometown of Worcester, Ohio. I remember pulling up to the school and my mom said, don't worry, it's really hard to play the oboe. You might not get a sound out, just it's okay, persevere, persevere. Um, and of course, I went in and Mr. Long taught me to play a D major scale, and it was really just a very intuitive thing. And I came back out to the car and said, Mom, I can play a D major scale and I can play all of these songs. And you could tell the look on my mother's face was like, all right, she can do this. And I struggled with this. <laughs> probably all have heard Peter and the Wolf, very famous work by Prokofiev. In Peter and the Wolf, all of the different instruments represent a different character. So Peter is represented by the string section, the cat is represented by the clarinet, the bird is represented by the flute, 
The oboe represents the duck, and this is what it sounds like. The oboe and clarinet look very similar and are often confused. Main difference is the mouthpiece. So the clarinet is a single reed, so it has a black mouthpiece with one piece of cane. The oboe is a double reed, so it is two pieces of cane tied together. That's how that sound is produced. The oboe reed. <laughs> That's why a lot of my students pick the oboe, actually. They like the way that sounds. I would say pretty much every professional oboist makes their own reeds. Most oboists learn how to make reeds from their private lesson teacher. I learned from my teacher in Cleveland when I was in, I think I was still in middle school. The best oboe cane grows in southern France. It basically looks like bamboo, although it's different than bamboo. It's grown to certain diameters, cut, and then aged and dried in the sun for a couple of years. And then we oboists get it, so it's in a tube form. You chop that tube into two or three pieces. So it's a very, very involved process. And then of course, all of that hand finishing at the end is the source of much frustration for myself sometimes, for my students a lot of times when they learn how to make reeds. I feel like after I made reeds for 20 years, I finally felt like I could sit down and make a reed. It's just sort of trial and error and just like practicing your instrument, you keep going and do a little bit every day. My favorite composers are definitely French 20th century composers. I love Debussy, I love Poulain, Sassans. I could just play French music all day long. <laughs> In the 20th century, there was just this explosion of repertoire written by all of the great French composers for the oboe. It's kind of going to be really hard for you if you're an oboist and you you don't like French music. So the Poulenc Sonata is one that I have performed relatively recently and I have a lot of my students work on. It's the very last piece that he wrote before he died and it was also right after his very dear friend Sergei Prokofiev passed. So the sonata was dedicated to him. So the Poulenc Oboe Sonata starts out very nice and calm, reminiscent of perhaps sitting in a cafe in Paris. So this movement continues for a little bit in that style. 
And then in the middle, an argument ensues. And the piano starts to play these raucous, massive Prokofiev chords. And the oboe soars up to the extreme high register. Lots of accents, lots of fast notes, lots of anger. Then the piece begins to wind down and return to the opening theme. There's a brief argument at the very end. And then it doesn't seem like things are quite resolved. To me, the, the Poulenc Sonata is so emotional and so really the, one of my favorite pieces. I am a musician and playing is how I express myself. Just getting to put the instrument in my mouth and just blow and play and convey all of those emotion, emotions is the best thing in the world for me.
I am also a member of the Cape Symphony Orchestra and Plymouth Philharmonic. I miss playing in orchestras so much. It is, I'm about missing playing my instrument, but I miss seeing my friends. I, it's a social thing that we do as orchestral musicians. When I picked the oboe, when I started playing a wind instrument, my piano teacher said to me, I think this suits you better because you're a very social person and playing piano is very solitary, so you need to go and be with other people all the time. Everything shut down in March of 2020 and we started teaching remotely. For me personally, it still feels like a lesson. One of my high school seniors said to me, well, this is no different because you're still telling me everything that I'm doing wrong. You're still hearing it all. I'm so grateful that I still get to see my students every week. And I, I sent them an email at the end of the summer and just said, thank you for being so wonderful. It's so hard because I'm not performing anymore. And having that regularity of seeing you, you give me reason to get out of bed every day, um, to pull my instrument out of the case. And my students have actually been great for my just mental health and my daily routine. I really believe in what I do teaching in a community music school, and that is just to make sure that I am generating and instilling a lifelong passion for music making, no matter what level you're at. You don't have to become a professional musician. We just do it because we love it. I am an amateur tennis player. I have no delusions of grandeur that I'm going to Wimbledon next year, but playing tennis is my passion <laughs> and keeps me sane. And I think for especially my adult students, which I actually have a fair number of, that is what playing the oboe is for them. It's great to find anything in your life, whatever it is, tennis, music, just to pour your soul into and, you know, to have a hobby. So really, if you have been thinking, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to play the oboe and, or whatever instrument, go for it. Now is the, the perfect time to pick up an instrument. You certainly have a lot more time to practice and, and get good at it and develop a, a true lifelong passion for making music.
This was Mary on English horn playing Going Home Largo from Symphony No. 9 by Antonin Dvorja. We thank Mary and pianist Leah Koch for remotely playing and recording Poulenc's Sonata for our podcast. This story was edited by Komako Akai Whitelow. Next week, in episode 5, Emotionally Connected, meet with Ryan No, Powers Music Chamber Director and Trumpet Faculty Member. And I definitely recall seeing my trumpet teacher being on stage crying near the end of the concert. And I was thinking, like being that emotionally connected to something and feeling that is pretty amazing, I think. And so that definitely was the start of I want to be a professional musician in some regard. <laughs>